previously on Adventures in Questing. I had this dream to reunite with you and the rest of the Eternals for something that's to come. I ain't been to uh, Faith Haven for a little while. Maybe I should take a vacation there. Pay Burke a visit. I am on an expedition of sorts. This is a job offer. What do any of you know about the lost city of Elusia? One day, it was just gone. But there was a rumor that a very powerful ma mage named Vardroon somehow survived that calamity. The ship will travel with you, my expert Evan Redditch, my men, and your half of the key to the rendezvous point. Come to me by your answer, perhaps by tomorrow evening? Does the name Avery Jace mean anything to you? Does the name Talon Sabaeus mean anything? And he holds up a bottle with a very familiar ship in it. Good luck with whatever it is you're going to do. If it's this journey, and I trust that we'll see each other again. Layla, you have a very brief dream, and then an eye oh my opens God. in front of you, and the eyelashes sprout these grasping hands, and they reach for you. Yes. Out of the water, this stunning ship. Did we go to sleep? Yes. Great. You're asleep. It's been a long rest. You guys get all your shit back. What I was yeah, wondering. I gotta go to the bathroom. All my shit's in here. Bad joke. Bad joke. Bad, That's a bad really joke. Bad. That was a bad joke, Johnson. <laughs> bad joke, Johnson. You guys uh, wake up the next morning and uh, kind of get, get all your things together and, and go downstairs to the kind of main sitting room. You are all woken up by just incredible smelling uh, breakfast food. When you say you're all woken up by, I have anxiety yeah, from the fall of land. You have like, oh. the words woken up by. You're woken up by good stuff. Screaming. So you guys are woken up the next morning by delicious smells like, wouldn't be French toast, Western toast. Nice. Eggs, bacon, like all the good stuff, yeah. hashed browns. <laughs> Why are you doing this to us? <laughs> it smells delicious. You guys go downstairs. Oh, it all good. And you, uh, as you kind of go down there, you see that Josiah is just sitting on a bench and he is currently braiding bows into Todd Todman's mane. Um, and Todd Todman kind of like looks over and goes, oh, hey guys, what's Wait, going on? What animal is Todd Todman right now? He's currently oh, a pony. Shetland pony. When the fuck did that happen? When he got killed in the fireball explosion when you guys got involved with the mob, frog. he turned from a frog yeah. into a pony. I thought he was still a frog. <laughs> no, <laughs> remember he like threw a huge hissy fit because he turned into a pony. The guys, mafia. We, anyway, let's keep and, going. And, and, and when we were sneaking, I, We don't play enough, let's keep going. <laughs> Josiah kind of sees you guys walk in and kind of gives you all a, a wave and uh, Todd kind of trots over to you guys. Guys! <laughs> Hello. I was at the, the hotel and you guys didn't come back and I heard that there was like some kind of attack at the place where the ball was. So I went to the ball place and they told, they were not expecting a, a talking horse to show up and, and question them, but I did. And they told me that you guys came back here to the palace. And so I, I came over and then I met this, this nice man who doesn't seem to be bothered by the fact that I can talk. He's just been putting these nice bows in my hair and he's just the sweetest dude. I'm so glad you guys are okay. You look you great. You too, Todd. I, I, we were worried where you went. 
Todd, yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry. You look great, man. I'm so happy you're here. Okay, well, it's good to see you guys. Um, I was just worried. Uh, I'm glad you guys are doing okay. I'm going to go back. He goes back over and Josiah continues to braid little pink bows into his mane. You guys give your hellos to Todd and then continue. continue in. And there is, yeah, there's a, a big, big breakfast laid out on the table. Uh, you don't see Anthony anywhere, but Nasif is here and he goes... Oh, I've prepared a breakfast for you all. It's full of many good things. It's I've just slaved over it. It's all very good, if I do say so myself. And the master told me to tell you to just go buck wild as far as the house is concerned and take naps or eat or whatever. You have free access to go back and forth between here. He did say that the, um, the palace is closed off to everybody, so you won't be able to access the palace, but you will be able to access his house and go out into the town and come back, and he hopes to see you again tonight to give you his, give him your answer for his proposition. Oh, thank you so much. This is a higher voice than Nassif had, I think. It doesn't matter. Was it? It sounded like Nassif. Anyway, <laughs> enjoy your breakfast. Just let, let me know if you need anything, and I'll just, <laughs> I'll be back here. And kind of like backs off into like a servant's room and closes the door. Thank you. I do not like him. Why? <laughs> He's done nothing but be helpful. We have seen him not be helpful two times. That's like it was an accident. They happen to everyone. If I was in charge of protecting someone, and then that person almost got hit by moving horses, that's not good. It's not good, but it. Was, I don't think he meant to do it. And if that had never happened, we wouldn't be here right now. So look at it that way. I think we would still probably be here. We'd figure it out. <laughs> So, how are you guys spending your morning? I, Thora, hello. I would probably want to go check out that, uh, like, the weapons place. So I would want to see if anyone, is there anyone who wants to go check out the place where all those fancy weapons are? Legacy Row, like where yeah. they sell all the magical items and stuff? Yes. I would love to. Great. Shopping, shopping, shopping. shopping. Yes. I'm going to turn uh, to Doxy and say, hey, so we have those gems with the little memories in them, and we're in the place where we can check those out, so maybe we should do that. Oh, I would like to come along for that, too. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. You guys have a whole day. Let's definitely do that. So are you guys all going to go to the Cerithium, or do you guys want to go to Legacy Row first and then go to the Cerithium? Are you splitting up? The Cerithium is where you can go to access the ge- the gems that contain memories and stories and, and oh, learn what's inside them. The gems we got five years ago. <laughs> uh, not particularly, but uh, I mean, if you go, I'm curious to hear what, what it's about. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, all you know right now is that you found them in the hidden room and they have the eight-pointed star on them. I, I would like to go, but I also want to go to Legacy Row, so maybe I could come with and then go over to Legacy Row? Yeah. I want to take some time to, like, clean my sword and sit with it and do that. Okay. Um, As well as I want to go to the place we were last night. Mm-hmm, yeah. And... By the Quran. Yeah, and, like, look just at the, look the rubbish and see, like, what remains of it. Yeah, just kind of do some snooping around and mm-hmm. kind of take a... Okay, cool. Do- doctor, I need to talk to so you very soon. In, in private. Okay. Are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. I'm just covered in honey. <laughs> well, do you want to go get cleaned up and then we can talk? Yes. Okay. Doxy and Layla <laughs> are in a room and Doxy is like scrubbing the grubby, sticky child <laughs> clean of all the fucking honey. You just straight up throw the red suit in the trash because <laughs> it's so gone. It's just so badly stained and sticky and rough. We can get you another one. I would like another one. We can. <laughs> Okay. You have money. So, I had I had another dream. I was in a very dark place, and there was, it looked like me, but 
she was holding a bear. A bear, right? It was a bear. Yeah, it was a toy, like a stuffed doll. Like a stuffed doll. And I was standing over a dead man and crying. And then the ground started to break open and, and lava started to come out of the ground. And then I was covered in lava. And then the eyeball, I talked about the eyeball. Mm-hmm. It opened up and grabbed me. But then I felt, I felt really good. Like really good. And then I woke up. Did you recognize any of the oh. people in the dream besides yourself? I have seen him in, in a dream before. Hmm. And you said that this dream made you feel good afterwards? Yes. Well, usually I get really scared when I wake up for a moment. Yeah. But this time I just felt happy. I felt safe. That's all I wanted to tell you, but I'm just very confused. Okay. Well, keep on letting me know about these dreams, because I feel like they are all connected in some way. So let's uh, let's let's tackle the cerithium, you guys. Let's do it. Uh, you guys head off. It's nice and cool, but not in a, kind of an oppressive way. It's really quite nice. Kind of are wrapped up in in cloaks that Antony has given you. They're kind of these dark uh, indigo cloaks that uh, Nassif passes out as you leave to kind of just stay warm and toasty. They're comfy cloaks. And you guys move through the the city of Vester and, and kind of look around. There's not a lot of foot traffic today. You get the sense maybe people are a little afraid to leave their homes after mm-hmm. word of the attack has kind of spread through the town. There are a few people out. Stores are still open and stuff, but it's a more subdued city than you're used to seeing. Um, you guys continue through uh, over the canals and, and along the different roadways that kind of wind around these different ways. And you guys <laughs> continue along and see the, the tome hold there, the, the large library, and in the, the center of the plaza, that crystalline pyramid shape that marks the entrance to the Cerithium. Kind of stepping out of a little booth that you didn't notice before, kind of blocking the way you see a Western guard in kind of dark indigo armor. The eye holes of the, of the helm have been shrouded with magic so that you cannot <clears> see his eyes. And he stands in front of you with a spear as you, as you approach. Good morning. We would like to go inside this place, <clears throat> sir, please. How can you do that? How can we do that? Kind of looks over. You assume he's looking over all of you because his head is kind of surreptitiously moving, but you can't see his eyes, which is super disconcerting. He finally goes, um, do you have written permission slip from nobility? Mm, uh, no, well, see, we're staying with Sir Anthony Fulton right now. Um, so... We just thought he would probably um, be someone um, who, you know, since we're staying with him, we'd probably be able to get in here, so. <laughs> Roll a persuasion check, Winnie. Winnie's really not charismatic. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's going to be a 19. A 19. Ooh, nice. <laughs> kind of sits there. I did hear that a, an eclectic bunch of foreigners were staying with Lord Anthony Fulton. Oh, yes, you see, he gave us these matching cloaks. You show him the cloaks, and he kind yes. of gives a nod, and you see there's kind of like a... They're kind of asymmetrical cloaks, like the the where it's kind of um, pinned together is kind of on your shoulders. Kind of recognizes the pin, kind of goes, Well, um, normally I require signature, but I will check in with Lord Anthony Fulton. Um, but you have unfettered access to the Saritium, so... And there you, there you go. Thank you so much, and what a good use of the word unfettered. <coughs> I greatly appreciate it. Sir... Excuse me? Where are your eyes? Mm, where everyone else's eyes are. I'm looking at where they should be, and I did not see them. If I was not wearing my helmet, you would be able to see my eyes. Why are you wearing a helmet? I am a soldier of Vester, and I require protection. From what? People who wish to do bad things to the people of this city. Oh. 
Okay. <laughs> Let's go, go in. Go back in my booth now. <laughs> sidles into his little booth, leaving you guys. Uh, what was your name, sir? He doesn't get it. Okay. You see some stairs that go down, down into some dark, into a dark space. Yeah, down into some dark. Down into some dark. This is a little scary. As you guys descend the stairs. Oh, I can see in the dark. There are these globes that are mounted on the walls, but as you start to kind of walk down the stairs, each of these globes light up with a faint white light that fills the space, completely illuminating it as you go. And you, as you move down, actually the lights behind you kind of turn off. They seem to be kind of almost like motion activated as you are moving down these stairs. You walk down the stairs and enter a large room and the, the sounds of your footsteps create this echoing sound that just kind of bounces off all of the walls. And then as you kind of look around in the dark, those white globes seem to be all along the wall kind of light up in this massive round domed room. And you can see all along in these massive curved shelves are gems that have various symbols carved onto them. They're all sitting on little stands and they're all surrounded with completely solid pieces of glass. All of them have small little notations on them. And these kind of, these bookcases almost move in like one of those circular mazes. This huge room full of shelves that are easily like 20 feet high. And there are no books on any of these shelves, just gems. And you can see in the center of this room, there's there's kind of a pathway that cuts through these round bookcases and goes into the center of the room where you can see there's like this pillar of stone that stretches up into the air and connects with the roof. And it is made out of this like dark marble, like all the stone in this room. It's probably about like 40 feet wide at any point. And there is a door, just like a, a simple wooden door in this round pillar of stone with no kind of symbol or anything on it. And you now notice that they're, they're being very, very quiet, but there are people moving through this room, arranging gems and stuff like that. And you guys are left in this completely quiet. It's quieter than like the quietest library. Every sound, it's like step you make kind of a <laughs> creates like an echoing sound in this, this massive room. What do you guys want to do? So, sorry, the gems are held in little glass spheres, like completely covered. Yeah, in in in, in like cubes of solid glass. Cubes they seem to be like they were like encased in glass or some kind of resin or something like that. And um, you don't really know the process or why, but that's kind of what it looks like. And there's little attendants running around, and then in the center of the room is that that pillar of stone. Like, does this seem like a place where a collection is held, or where things are always being added? Like, are there a bunch of empty spaces where? Uh, make a perception check. The yuck dice again. Um, 18. All of these shelves with gems that are encased in the resin or the glass or whatever, they seem to be quite packed full of stuff. But you do notice kind of looking around that there are shelves that are completely empty. that don't have anything on them right now. And you would in intuit that this is a keeping place for gems like this that have been collected by the state and are being preserved here by the state for access for whatever reason, but that they are leaving room for more gems to collect or to fill themselves and then put down in here. You don't know if this, this is like the memories of all the kings and queens or like emperors and empresses of Vester, or if it's just relics that have been found throughout the world or some kind of combination of both, but it definitely looks like an ongoing collection. Do we see any, like, a separate room or, like, anything where people, where the gems are actually studied? The only other, like, thing that could maybe lead to another room is that door that's in the pillar of stone. 
What's the vibe of these people that are walking around? They're very, like, solemn. Mm-hmm. And even though they are clearly mortal people, they have, like, almost like a ghost-like ethereal quality where, like, it's hard to tell if they're actually walking or if they're just, like, drifting over the, like, across the floor. Ooh. Okay, Winnie pulls her cloak around her because she's very spooked. Mm-hmm. I'm going to whisper, but I'm going to talk for the sake of the podcast. Guys, what do we want to do? Do we want to talk to these people and ask them if there's somewhere we can take these gems or does that seem kind of risky? Why would it be risky? Well, I don't know. It seems like they're like held here. I'm not sure what they are and whether we're even allowed in quotation, in air quotes, to have them. You know, like we just found them. We don't know if they're a part of this collection and they're supposed to be here. So they're going to say, no, you have to keep them here and that's it. Or, or, or if we're allowed to have them and maybe the, the, these ones are just brought here by these people. Okay, you know what I'm saying? So maybe we just ask if, how, how can we look at gems we, we can talk to them and just ask them right like they're they're, <clears throat> they're they seem although a little bit moody they seem nice enough <laughs> yeah let's kind of look around maybe quietly for a second to see if yeah. we find out anything else i guess cool let's do that you guys start walking around and it looks like um make perception checks everybody who is here in the cerethium this spoopy place huh. Ooh. That's one. Oh, shit. Damn it. 17. That's an eight. Okay. You guys, as you're kind of walking around, uh, notice that all of the gems that are encased here have little notes underneath them on little plaques on the shelf that denote um, when the, the gem was collected and specifically whose memories are contained within. The contents of the memories are not notated, but you see all different kinds of names and years. These seem to go back to the beginning to middle of the Second Age, which is right around when arcane magic was formed, which is probably deeply correlated. Like, people didn't have the ability to store their memories in gems until arcane magic um, was created. Not really any of them have any kind of symbol carved into them, like the two gems that you have. You don't know if that's just a sentimental thing on whoever made these part, or if that has some deeper meaning, you're not sure. Is there anything with my nat 20 that I... You can't read. Yeah, you're right. So <laughs> the thing that I'm going to say is that you notice you notice a couple of these beings, not beings, they're people, they're human people, are collecting gems off of other shelves that you haven't noticed till you rounded kind of more of this room that aren't encased in anything. And there are whole shelves that are filled with gems that have not yet been encased in any kind of resin or glass. And you see a couple, like a figure kind of walk up with like a tray and is take some of the gems off and is kind of collecting them. None of these beings, uh, I keep calling them beings, they're just people, seem to be noticing you walking around. Or if they do notice you, they don't seem to give a shit or just are not. Interacting with you, you guys can always, you know, initiate uh, contact, but they are not initiating contact with you. Yeah. So the the little, like, description that says, like, who the memory belonged to? Yeah, so it says, um, the, like, a date, and it usually just says, like, the year 1042 of the third age or something like that. And then it has collected memories of blank. Sometimes it says, like, a name. There's a couple of plaques that have, like, 50 names on there. Do I recognize any names? No, I'm gonna say you don't really recognize a lot of a lot of these. I will say it seems to be like the running theme here is that a lot of the names seem human. You guys, I think, can okay. recognize like different naming conventions for different mm. races and, and things like that, and they seem to be more vaguely kind of the human, Western, Austrian, Colborning names. Yeah, you guys just kind of get a strange, uh, just a strange kind of ethereal vibe here. It, it, it's it's not disconcerting. It's just kind of odd and. Spending more and more time in this room, you guys kind of feel lighter. Um, it just, it's a strange kind of sensation. And not lighter in like a uh, way. It just kind of like, 
you almost feel like you could like lift off the ground at any time that things here this this space is so dedicated to just abstract thought and memory that it's just kind of a weird ethereal vibe to it Mm -hmm. yeah um is there anything written on the door on the pillar you actually notice you couldn't see it before but in tiny script around the the door handle is written the cerethium ah well (laughs) here it is (laughs) (laughs) um i'm gonna like try to catch everybody's eye and be like Come here! <laughs> but not say it out loud. Okay. Over. Just gesture. You guys all kind of walk over. Footsteps kind of echoing. I'm going to um, show the script. Yeah, you guys see that there's a little script all over the door that spells out the cerethium. I'm going to open the door. And... Uh, you go to open the door and a hand like slams it shut and you guys turn and there is a like an attendant there and you did not hear her like approach you guys. She's kind of got like pale, pale skin and kind of pale white robes. Um, and she's got some severe features. She looks like she's like middle-aged and she's got silvery black hair that's kind of pulled up into a really like tight bun. She just kind of like looks at you all. Hello. Why do you choose to enter the Cerethium? To see what it is. The Cerethium is a place of immense arcane power. Do you have a gem that you wish to read? Yes. May I see them, please? No. She reaches forward and she pulls out a key and locks the cerethium and puts the key back around her neck. Have a good day, then. She wait, kind of away. wait, wait, wait. <clears throat> she turns. Mm-hmm. Is there any other place like this in the world? Many people attempt to create their own cerethiums, but they are not nearly as perfect as ours. Ours is the first and best design. I will allow you access to the cerethium but first I must inspect the gems you bring. You understand? I I don't. Could you say why? Dreams and memories can be immensely destructive, and the power of this place is tied in to the power of dream and memory. If you bring a gem that contains a nightmare or a violent memory and wish to read it in the Cerethium, I would first inspect the gem to prepare our arcane powers to accommodate that fact. I would not have this place come crumbling down over my head. Oh, that makes sense. Can I ask, um, uh, may I ask, <laughs> is the government um, involved in this establishment in any way? We do not receive any sort of funding from the government. We are students of memory and thought. We collect and hold here important memories of the people of Vester but also any who wish to store their memories and thought here. So you're not obligated to take anything. Like, if we're not sure what's in our gems, just to be completely honest. And I guess I'm wondering if once we find out what's in them, if you are obligated to keep them or if we get to take them back. This is a place of storage and study. Mm -hmm. If you were to enter a library with your own book, the library would not require that you give them the book afterward. The same would go here. We will store them for you here, and if you ask for them to remain private, we will seal them in resin to keep them from Um. being accessed by anyone else. Or if you just wish them to be stored here for further study, and she gestures to the the shelves where the the gems are not covered. These gems are made available to any who would wish to read them. Can you tell by just looking at the gem or by looking at the memory whose memory it is? I you don't know. have studied the art of memory and thought for many, many years. 
I can deduce simply by observing, feeling, and studying the gem for a short moment whose memories are collected and how long ago the memory was collected. This is a random out there question. Is that okay if I... Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have you had any memories from Dragonborns? There is a high possibility that a Dragonborn has created memory gems, Hmm. but there are none stored here by a Dragonborn. So... It's, it's true that we have two gems, and we don't know what's on them. So, yeah, I guess I can show you, and I take out the two gems. Okay. She reaches out her hands. She takes, I think it's an emerald and a sapphire, and she kind of looks over them. Can I, like, really watch her face for any kind of... Yeah, make an inside check. God, that that, that rolls really... Heavy. I know, it is thick. I'll, sorry, roll. I'll try to do it on No, it's open. good. I'm, I'm into it. It's 17. 17. Yeah, she's just kind of like looking over them. She's just kind of studying. She's got, she's pretty impassive as far as like her face goes, but she's like every once in a while, she does like little twitches and stuff. She holds up the emerald and goes, this emerald contains a collection of memories over the course of four to five years, collected from one individual who uses the name Valoria. Oh my God. Hands the emerald back. This sapphire contains a multitude of memories to paint a broader more conclusive picture. When one person stores their memory in a gem, all you have access to is what they see. People will store memories in gems because memory is fleeting. People store their memories to remember the true, to view the truth of what happened. This sapphire is filled with over a hundred memories of a specific account sometime during the second age, near the end of the second age. There are too many names to list right now, but one of them is uh, that Valoria from the other gem as well. Okay. She hands it to you. I will allow you access to the Cerithium. It appears the Sapphire and the Emerald both contain some violent imagery, so I will have to prepare the Cerithium for that, but nothing that will fuck all my shit up, so... (laughs) (laughs) I love a good unexpected cuss. Know this. Cerithium and its power contain a level of immersion that might frighten you. You must remember, lest it drive you insane, that you may move throughout the world of the memory. If you go too far, you will find nothing but white space. And remember, you cannot affect anything. Some memories are hard to revisit. Be aware that there is nothing that can be done. She snaps her fingers as she is drifting away, and the key comes away from her neck, flies across the room, and into the lock, and unlocks the door for you, and flies up, and just kind of starts circling up above. Oh, I forgot to ask if multiple people could go in. Did you have another question? (laughs) (laughs) Can multiple people see the memory, or...? Yes. As many people can go in as as they wish. The door is unlocked. Let's go. Whoever wants to go in. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. As you, like, turn the knob, you kind of... It kind of echoes throughout the whole room. All of the attendants just kind of stop what they are doing and kind of <laughs> turn and look at, look at you all and kind of bow their heads. And you open up the door and you look in in this room that is has, like, a 40-foot diameter maximum. It is within this stone pillar. Um, and it's just circular. And in the middle is a long, slender, metallic stand that kind of reaches all the way up... And then it's almost like an egg cup at the top. There are 
carvings of constellations and strange dots that are connected with lines all throughout this room. And as you all file in and close the door, it is jet black in here. And then there is a faint and the room starts to kind of hum. All of the dots on the wall start to light up with white light. The metallic stand starts to glow with a faint blue light and you feel that you feel the gems in your hand start to like vibrate. What do you guys want to do? What do you think, Doxy? Just one at a time? Yeah. Maybe the emerald first, because mm-hmm. it's just Floria? Yeah. That's okay. What I was thinking. You okay. want to do. Emerald. The emerald first. Okay. Ooh, I feel a lore dump coming on. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe the room's going to blow up. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so you walk forward, and the emerald is glowing now in your hand, and you guys can hear faint, like, <gasps> like, like voices now, like, swirling around you and echoing, and you kind of reach forward and you kind of start to lower the emerald toward the egg cup and then it's almost like a magnet. The emerald like snaps into place in the metallic stand. All the lights go off and you guys are sitting in pure darkness for a moment. And then you just hear this very faint. There are wasps everywhere! Uh, And it's a very strange sensation because it, it doesn't feel like you're in that room anymore. Mm. And you feel, like, wind on your face. And you kind of are looking around. Everything is hazy and smoky and and not entirely corporeal. But you can see things kind of moving around you as you kind of are looking around. All of you can see this, by the way. You are standing in a field. And you can see all around you dragonborn of different coloration. All kind of looking around. All of them are completely just nude, just in their kind of um, scaled, kind of lizard dragon-like bodies. And they are standing and looking up in reverence at these these ten dragons uh, standing side by side. You see at the front, they're all kind of standing on a promontory. You can see the metallic and the chromatic dragons. At the tip of the promontory, a massive golden dragon with whiskers that stretch down that's got a long kind of curved body like a classic kind of Chinese dragon or Japanese dragon and you see this massive red dragon that's very kind of European type dragon looking down all of the other colors and metallic variations looking down at all of these this field of dragonborn hundreds and thousands as you look around everything's kind of strangely smoky and 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 hard and kind of hazy things kind of are moving past you you continue you're like like voices and and strange sounds kind of swirling around you. The gold dragon and the red dragon kind of look at each other with pride and look down, um, and you all hear in your head this children that kind of echoes through all of your your voice, your your mind, and you guys look to your left, and almost standing like she is amongst you, you see a brass dragonborn. She doesn't have an eight-pointed star tattooed on her hand yet, but you recognize from the murals Valoria, she's got some curved horns that kind of stretch back. Um, she's got dull brass scales, and she's looking up at these dragons, like all of them, with immense wonder. This memory, though, is foggy and murky. Uh, make an insight check, Doc. <laughs> That's a 12. Okay, um, you, you've never seen this before, so you don't know if this is how this is supposed to look or not. You see Valor- like a smile, like a toothy grin break over Valoria's face. All of these dragonborns fall into kind of a genuflection, like a, a bow to these large, massive dragons. These dragons are bigger than anything any of you have ever seen. They are these massive, immense creatures. And then everything fades away into darkness and smoke. You hear more, and this time you hear 
a faint scream of pain on the kind of in your periphery on like the in like the back of your mind and suddenly whoosh, comes back and you see Valoria is uh, you see all these different dragonborn are being outfitted for war they're strapping on pieces of iron and iron iron armor really kind of early days stuff and you see Valoria completely toss um, the metallic armor away kind of with distaste and she just shrugs on some simple leather armor with a black hood um, that she kind of throws over her head and you see her kind of grin and a little bit of flame and smoke kind of come out of her mouth. There's kind of another of, of smoke and haze and you're standing now amongst that same throng of dragonborn but they're all they are all so clearly going to war. Something is happening here and they are all like thrusting their fists into the air and chanting hoo, hoo, and you see these those ten dragon above on the promontory again, just grinning and looking down. There is another burst of memory, and the scene shifts once again. And this time the screams are louder and everywhere. And suddenly you see yourself in a burning battlefield, and you see dragonborn and dragon slamming into an army of giants. And they are ripping each other to pieces. You see Valoria running around in the shadows and stabbing into giants. You see her run up at one point and she like stabs a dagger into the eye of a giant and then lets her weight kind of pull her down and she slits this giant open from like the eye all the way to like his navel. Damn. Uh, and then it's just kind of bathed in this black blood and just kind of like breathes fire into the air and you see this scene of just pure war and horror. And then you see flashes of more scenes of this, of these, of this fighting, this endless fighting. And you can see Valoria, she doesn't age dramatically, but you can see the signs of age that she was young, but the beginning of these memories. And now she almost feels like middle-aged or something like that. She still does not have a tattoo on her hand. <laughs> Suddenly like the scenes shift and you see the kind of throng of dragonborn. There's camp, there's like a war camp here. that The dragonborns are moving through, you can see tents. And it's very kind of odd. And if you hadn't been seeing so much slaughter, you would almost find it funny. There are like dragons, like full-size dragons moving through the camps and conversing and ch chatting and laughing with the dragonborn. And the dragons themselves are outfitted in like metal armor. Um, and you can see them talking to each other, um, but all the dragons seem to carry this level of weight and veneration with them that all the dragonborn seem to be like obsessed and, and looking at them with awe and wonder. And then you see the red dragonborn kind of hovering in the air and it lets loose this gout of flame and kind of roars this challenge and you see this army of dragonborn, Valoria, one of them, running not into an army of giants, but to what appears to be just a village. Uh, you can see giants just running for their lives and being cut down and devoured by by dragons and being mercilessly killed by dragonborn. You see Valoria like walks into a room and you see this like giant male and he's got a, a clearly like a mate and their and their kids behind behind him and he's like clutching like what looks to just be like the leg of like a giant chair and like swings it in Valoria and Valoria just kills him without breaking a sweat uh, and then kind of turns her blades on the on the mate and the children and the kind of memory switches again and you can see burning village after burning village after burning village and you can watch Valoria start to look more and more tired and distraught. 
you see Valoria um, about to bring a blade down onto a tall, lanky giant, and she drops the blade, and the giant <laughs> scurries away and runs away. And you see Valoria get kind of like shoved by like a dark red dragonborn that like screams in her face these kind of words and this old draconic that you can barely barely translate, deriding her for not delivering the killing blow. It's it's very strange because you're just like like flipping through these memories, and you flip through some memories of Valoria sitting like in the rain, and she's sitting by herself, and she's looking down at this camp of people, and you see her talking to other dragonborn. Most of them are metallic, but you see some of them are also chromatic dragonborn, and they're they're, they also just look so dejected and, and confused and upset. You see these rallies of the army where the red and the green dragon are yelling these battle-fueled kind of tirades at the people and, and the people are like, you know, punching the air like they were doing and chanting. But you see some of them are doing it not as, you know, not as enthusiastically. And then you see a, another attack on a, on a village and you see giant children butchered and un unarmed giants completely slaughtered and Valoria runs away from the battle. Uh, the scene shifts again and, and they are back in the camp and everyone is looking up on this kind of promontory where the dragons are, are talking, but the dragons are not talking to them. It looks like the silver dragon is roaring and, and screaming at the red and the green dragon. And finally, turns um, and the red dragon and green dragon are getting more and more upset. You see the black and the and the white and the blue dragon behind them roaring. You can't see any of the other metallic dragons anywhere. The silver dragon turns and starts roaring in old draconic to the masses. Uh, make an intelligence check. Sixteen. So you recognize the silver dragon as Chandi, um, known in the legends for loving mortals and trying to spend time as one of them. She is roaring, and you don't pick up all the words, but you basically hear, um, run, we have led you astray. We are not the gods you think us to be. It's a rough translation, but to turn from us and worship us no more. I have failed you, we have failed you. The others are gone. Sona is killed. We are not who you thought us to be. You hear like these kind of murmurs in the crowd, you hear uh, the green dragon kind of flying up. Uh, you know, um, the green dragon, Hara, always known of being like a wordsmith, very silver-tongued and very good at persuading people, begins talking to the crowds again, trying to bring them down. And you see Chandi, the silver dragon, launch herself at the green dragon, and you watch this actual fight between the two before the black and green dragons pin Chandi down to the ground and the red dragon rips her throat out of her body. You see the scene shift again, and you see uh, Valoria in uh, a tent with what looked to be a hundred dragonborn talking about fleeing and running. You can see them looking around, and you can see there are other dragonborn still in armor, clearly still loyal, that are, that are on patrol looking around, and these dragonborn are kind of afraid. You see some of them are afraid to be here and afraid to speak up. You see her kind of touch someone on the shoulder and say, It is not too far to run. Miston will protect us. We will return home and we will find peace in Esterlin and we will, we will figure out what we have to do. We just have to make it back home. Just have to make it back home. Uh, and you see some Dragonborn kind of nod. She's kind of persuading them to leave, not by persuading them to fight back, but just to run. And then you see memories of them moving through underbrush, sneaking out of camp in the dead of night. You see torches and, and dragonborn the loyalists following them 
there are some close calls where the large chromatic dragons like land on outcroppings just above this like band of refugees, which you can now estimate maybe has like 300 people in it. You see them running and running, and then you recognize some landmarks. You recognize stone plinths and and canyons that lead that you went the opposite direction when you left Esterlin to to go on your on your mission, and you see the entrance way to go back into Esterlin, and you see Valoria smile this sigh of relief with her people behind her. She's like very Moses figure, and she runs forward and collides into some invisible force. And she reaches up in complete confusion and fear and touches some invisible field. She can't push herself through. And then she you see her eyes widen as a figure on the other side of the field steps forward in dark robes. Uh, another dragonborn. Make an intelligence check. Uh, 19. You recognize probably the most famous figure from Dragonborn history, mm-hmm. Goron Mistin. She steps forward, and you see a recognition of Valoria, like Valoria knows who she is, knows mm-hmm. who Mistin is. And she starts banging on the invisible field, and you can see that her words don't reach Mistin, and Mistin, Mistin's words don't reach Valoria, that there's some magical shroud here. Goron just kind of gives her a solemn look without any kind of love or affection, gives them a small smirk and turns away and walks away, eventually kind of fading into shadow. And Valoria sinks to her knees and turns around at these people, male and female dragonborn, that now just look so lost and scared. And you can see there are little dragonborn like children with them. (sighs) And they go back out the canyon. And as they exit the canyon on the horizon are the chromatic dragons and all of the loyalist dragonborn. And they charge. And there is a battle. A brutal battle where you can see these refugees being just cut down and butchered. But they're giving back as, as well. They were all soldiers, and so they are all giving back as, 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 as much as they take. And you see Valoria is, is fighting with all of her might, and then she takes a spear through the chest Ugh. and collapses to the ground. And you, see, you, you can physically see the morale of her party drop as she hits the ground. And she is sitting there just kind of breathing out and you see some blood kind of like come out of her mouth and she slips away and so too does the memory. And for a moment it is quiet. And then it's a strange memory, but you're suddenly next to Valoria on the ground. None of you remember lying down, but you are all laying on the ground and you are on the banks of a dark river. Uh, you can see this dark river rushing past you full of these ethereal-looking spirits. There are boats with lanterns that are floating down the river. Does it look like the one? It looks like the, the river of the dead that you rode with Cordelia. And you stand with Valoria as she stands up, and she touches her chest where she took the wound, and there isn't one. And she looks around at her surroundings before realizing that she is surrounded by what looks to be an endless sea of people. They're all standing on the shores, all of them looking vaguely confused. And then you see up in the sky, a figure descends in black robes, with these massive black and white wings. Um, The form being female, she lands and raises her head up with an owl face. And you see people kind of shrink away, um, these, these kind of spirits. And she begins to speak 
And Valoria's memory does not remember what she says. You can almost feel it in your hearts. All that Valoria is thinking about is the fight that is happening somewhere else. And you see whatever words Boss is saying to these people, they are not fans of. They are not at all into this. And you see elves, men, dwarves, orcs, all the races of the world looking in, in terror and confusion. She seems to like placate them for a moment, and then she seems to say something else. And you vaguely hear in your head, who would wish to forsake the gift? And you see this throng of people push forward towards her, trying to reach her. So they're clearly clamoring for whatever she just offered. And she's just looking around at them with this impassive, owlish face. And Valoria without, does not clamor, does not rush, just raises a clawed hand. And the owly face kind of locks with Valoria and kind of drifts over to her and kind of touches her shoulder and kind of looks at her, nods. And she turns and you see the crowds, completely not their own control, begin to disperse like water. And after these people, these spirits are washed away, there are only, not including you or Boss, eight people standing on the banks. And you recognize Burke and Micah and the eight that you have seen. And she walks to each of them and touches them on the chest. And they kind of almost react to it and seemingly take something from them. They all kind of look at each other in confusion. Um, the only one to kind of smile tentatively is Micah. It kind of gives them all like a warm little smile. You hear in your head, find each other and use what you have to make the world better. You have forsaken my gift. You are the only of the entire world who understands what that means. And that is why I have taken it. Find each other. And you see the other seven spirits dissipate. Valoria is left. Boss looks down. And the owl face shifts into just a pale woman's face that is lined with worry and she looks into Valoria's face and goes where the gear leaves the forest and the water stretches for the sky enter the maw and there you will find your people's salvation and Valoria looks confused and then dissipates and <gasps> comes back to life on the battlefield <gasps> and pulls the, the spear from her chest and you see the wound immediately knit shut and she kind of stands up and the, the kind of this cheer goes up and then the sky is blotted out as the copper and the brass and bronze dragons dive down out of the sky and begin fighting just slamming into the chromatic dragons you see them unleashing breath weapons of lightning and fire to clear out these loyalist dragonborn and without a second's hesitation Valoria calls out to her party, to her people, those who have survived, and they run. And they turn back only to see the final metallic dragons eventually just torn to shreds by the chromatic mm. dragons. Whoa. Um, and they go off into the mountains, and they, you see them surviving on, like, game, just running for their lives. The memory kind of shifts again, and Valoria is, is talking to anyone who will talk to her, the world that she's moving through, everyone is angry. Every mortal. And she almost tests that word in her head. 
like it's the first time that she's ever thought of it. She eventually learns the, the location of this strange riddle that was given to her by Voss. She learns that the gear is the name of a river. She follows that river and she she walks across with her people behind her across a, a, a series of flats filled with geysers that are shooting hot boiling water into the sky. And as she kind of moves through the mist and the steam, she sees a strange rock formation that looks like an open dragon's mouth. And she looks down and she kind of grimaces as she sees this like just pool of boiling water like 60 feet down. She breathes out and she turns back to these people. The children that they were with are older now and she jumps and falls down and the memory clears and you guys are back in the Cerethian. Whoa. Make a, make a religion check. Anybody who wants to, who is here? Ooh, crit fail. Oh boy. 14. 17. Okay, I'm gonna say only when he kind of puts this together. There is a famous, probably one of the most famous famous myths in the faith of the family called Death's Birth. And in the legend, in the books, it is basically described as the newly born goddess Bas summons the entirety of the world to her realm to impart upon them a new gift, mortality. Oh my god. She basically tells them that they will be the first to be mortal, to live a certain amount of time and then pass naturally. She tells them that though they do not understand why, that this is a gift unlike any they will ever receive. What's not in any books you have ever read is her offering to forsake the gift. But you get a sense that you might have just witnessed like one of the pivotal religious events in the world of Vale. Did we just witness death's birth? You guys know that story, right? That was wild because um, when I read the stories of death's birth always, it was basically boss, you know, of like Cordelia's boss, like that same goddess, um, when she was born, she brought the entire world to her and said, I will give you the gift of mortality. And everyone was really confused because they were like, why is this even a good thing? And then she's like, whatever, it's a gift. I'm going to give it to you. And then that's where the story ends. I've never seen the last part where she asks if anyone wants to forsake it. And then eight people who we know, ugh, we don't know all of them, but we know who they were, raise yeah. their hands and say no. We know how that happened now. Yeah, that is so crazy. I just feel like... I just feel like I've seen something that that so few people get to see. Are you guys freaking out? You're hey, Doxy, you're probably freaking out for other reasons. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that was I'm, wild. That's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of things. What were those big dragons saying to each other? Yeah, I I could tell that they were fighting. I didn't know about what. Um, I explain it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So it looks like there is a bit of giants in the past of dragons. That dragon that stood up to the red dragon was a silver dragon. Mm-hmm. And you're a silver dragon, Mort. I'm just saying. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Imagine if you were red dragonborn and you watched that. That would be different. <laughs> <laughs> Will you make just a... Well, no, you're just a historian, so I'll tell you some stuff just to kind of point out how some, some of what you just saw might differ from what you know. Everything. The story... That is told to every dragonborn child growing up in the Mistan dynasty in Esterlin is that 
the dragonborn were created by the dragon gods, and then the dragon's chosen warrior and voice, Goron Mistan, led them to Esterlin, where they founded their peace and happiness and this incredible uh, civilization, isolated from the world, and have continued to be the best and greatest society ever. There is no mention of a war. There is no mention of giants. There is no mention of a bunch of people being sealed away. And in fact, this might be, you uh, you would be aware that there's like enchantments to keep people from accessing Esterlin. Mm-hmm. Like it's been magically enchanted to cause shipwrecks and to get you turned around and stuff like that. But you were always led to believe that Dragonborn were exempt from that. But from what you just saw in memory, you didn't see Goron Mistin leading anything. In a really kind of reductive terms, all you saw Goron Mistin do was slam a door, essentially. Be a huge dick. Would I know that figure, Goron Mistin, just like from history, from like oh, reading, just or like, is it like a... Goron Mistin would probably be a historical figure. It's not a one-to-one illusion, but it's like how Joseph Smith <laughs> to non... LDS people or Utah people is still a figure in history. Like if you go and read like history books in like other states, Joseph Smith is there as being the leader of like a religious movement. But if you were to talk to someone who was LDS about Joseph Smith, he would be in a much more venerated position. Mm. It's kind of like that situation. Okay. So you might know like, oh yeah, Gora Miston, like they founded the Miston dynasty. She would be like, oh, that demigod who founded our nation, like that kind of situation. Well, should we find out what the next one is? Yeah, are you doing okay? That was so much information. Yeah. How much of that did you know already? None. Okay. Well, like, a, uh, I mean, obviously, really? you're not Valoria, and those were her memories, but I just yeah. mean as far as, like, the history that you saw happen. The history I was told is that we come from dragons. Goran Mistin showed us Estrelin, and that's it. Okay. Round two. It's a lot to unpack. That's Get into this sapphire. Okay, you pull out the sapphire. This one is the one with the collective memories of over 100 people of one single event. Uh, And you click it down into the thing. It snaps like a magnet. The lights drop and you are dropped into darkness again. And then suddenly it is so bright out. And you all immediately notice that this memory is so much clearer. There is no like haze. There is no smoke. And I would say, Doc, you probably, and Winnie probably put this together, not you, Thora, because you're not entirely super intelligent <laughs> like the other, like they are. Wait, but Mabry, maybe, and Layla's kind of, Layla's two. not putting this together. Layla's um, just like, what's happening? Uh, you two, Doc and Winnie, would recognize that probably the last thing you saw were like the keeper of this place said, those were probably Valoria's memories of memories. Because mm-hmm. the death's birth happened before the second age. So before this technology was invented. So it were probably memories of memories. It was kind of hazy. This seems to be collected from a lot of different people, which has created like a much clearer picture. And it seems to have happened pretty swiftly afterward. You guys are standing in a town, like a little kind of unassuming town. You see there's like a a wide street, like aesthetically, it might look like an old Western town. Um, There's like a, a, a temple of something up on a hill. And you guys get a brief moment to kind of take in your surroundings before you just hear a horrible scream and you see some people running away and this just horrifying monster kind of steps into view and roars and this bout of flame expounds from its mouth. And you can see it almost looks like a minotaur, but like twisted and horrifying, like these curved horns that curve down and up. 
it's just like this, this like blood red fur and incredibly muscular torso. It's running around. It's just swiping at people. It's it's not killing anyone right now. People are just running for their fucking lives. You see some like militia run up with some swords and they swing and their swords just shatter on on this monster's hide and it kind of <laughs> kind of like laughs and roars. And it kind of grabs up one of the militia and just full on eats this this militia guy. More food for Aldrich! And kind of continues to run around and is attacking this militia. And you see this man and woman and child are, are running and they're they're trying to pick up their kid who just cannot keep up with them as they run. No. Um, and they they continue to run and the little kid kind of slips out of their hands and falls no. down to the ground and they turn around and you see the this kind of monster kind of like lift up like its hoved foot to stomp down on the child. And there is this sound, and you see this little kid has just been scooped up by Micah Stout, who is zooming over the ground, just flying. He flies this little kid kind of along the, along the like flying a few inches above the ground, and kind of zooms over and deposits the kid down on the ground and kind of tussles his hair and kind of pulls out his sword and pulls out his, his shield with the eight-pointed star kind of emblazoned on it and kind of clangs the sword as like a challenge to this monster who just roars a challenge. It starts to kind of run towards Micah, who just is kind of standing. He doesn't, he's not even really like looking at the monster. He kind of like twirls the sword in his hand, just kind of like, all right, here we go. And this monster is just roaring and running so fast that it doesn't notice this figure jump off a roof of one of the buildings, kind of silhouetted by the sun. You see the figure reach back and pull this massive great sword out from their back and slice down into the monster kind of collides into a building. You see this figure kind of tuck and roll and toss back this like mane of dark black uh, braids and you see who can only be a Mahdi Camden. A dark, dark skin, black beard and braids and this incredible plate armor with this massive great sword moving just incredibly fast and agile with the eight-pointed star emblazoned on the chest of his armor. Kind of lets out this, this war cry. The monster kind of off the off the, the side of the building and kind of roars at both of them. And you see these two kind of move in. Amadi kind of goes in with the sword. Micah is zooming over the ground and he kicks his um, shield underneath and basically like surfs along the ground on this shield between oh, um, the Garistro's legs and slices into one of the legs. And it reaches for him and you can see Micah kind of turn around like, because he's getting really close. But the hand stops and... Uh, Micah keeps going, and then you guys see kind of peeking out from the hand. She's clearly just holding it by herself. Sierra, like, kind of peeks out from the hand and grabs the arm and just, like, judo throws this 20-foot-tall monster into the side of a building. She kind of, like, stands up, and she just looks at this, like, civilian who's, like, up against the wall, and she just, like, throws him a wink. Um, Amadi kind of comes over. Amadi kind of comes over. Flat later, Sierra. And Sierra kind of goes... But more, Amadi. And she runs up. <laughs> um, and the three of them run at them and kind of leap. And suddenly you kind of shift where you are. And you see you are inside kind of the tavern of this village. And there are civilians running in here and screaming, being pursued by more monsters. These ones look like strange, like pig dogs with like green leathery skin and like gross, mushed up, smushed noses and sharp teeth. Um, chasing these people, you see the civilians who run in here run up the stairs and down the hall and, and go into a room and start barricading the room. These strange monsters are like slamming against the door. There are them all down the hall and in the main kind of tavern, like knocking over tables and breaking shit. Just kind of like, <laughs> kind of 
doing these gross, like, cackling sounds. There's a militia man in this room with the civilians, and he's trying to put stuff in front of the door, and this gross, leathery fist, like, punches through the door and grabs him and kind of slams him up, and he gets, like, pulled closer and closer to this slobbering, tooth-filled mouth, and he hears, you hear this kind of, like, (laughs) yelp, and the one who kind of grabbed the guy kind of turns in confusion and lets him go. And you see at the entrance to the tavern are two figures, kind of like it's like a Western movie, kind of like framed in the doorway. You see there's this female gnome with dark brown skin and, and kind of a little afro of black hair with white vine-like tattoos over her. She's clutching two scimitars in each hand. And there is a tall female orc who is easily the most shredded person you have ever seen (laughs) in your entire life. She's wearing like wraps around her chest and then like baggy pants and like bare feet. And she just got wraps around her hands and she just cracks some knuckles. You see Tippletoe, Hagglehall, and Ovac. These demons that are in here kind of roar a challenge. Tippletoe goes, um, gotta count. And Ovac goes, I'd say 50 at least. Kind of look around. Tippletoe goes, outstanding. You want upstairs or downstairs? <laughs> and uh, all that goes, I like it right here. And uh, you see these monsters kind of charge and Tippletoe kind of just vanishes in like a puff of pink smoke and reappears at the top of the stairs and starts to run down the hallway. Ovac just like leaps up into the air. She like wraps her legs around like the neck of one demon and like twists her le- her body in the air and like throws it across the room. Before she lands, she like kicks another one in the face. She lands down into onto the ground. She like runs forward and like kicks into someone's chest and then uses that chest as like a springboard to like leap in the air and grab someone. At one point, uh, like a monster just runs and she just like punches it in the face and just teeth fly everywhere. And it's just kind of like, oh and like falls down to the ground and she finally just kind of is standing in like the center of like a bunch of creatures that are just all roaring at her and she just cracks her knuckles again and beckons them forward and kind of runs into the fray just with a big kind of grin on her face you see the the hallway where tippletoe kind of entered is this thin hallway just filled with monsters and they all kind of turn kind of roar at her she kind of looks down the hall and can see the doorway through which the civilians are she kind of cracks her neck and as she cracks her neck vanishes in a pink a puff of pink smoke. She appears in front of a monster and slices into it, and as she slices into it, she vanishes, and she appears further down the hall in the air, and she lands down and stabs it onto the neck, and as it falls, she tucks and rolls and vanishes and teleports oh like through the window and uses the momentum to like come through the window and stab into a dretch, and she just like uses these teleportation skills, just kind of just nightcrawling down this hallway and eventually just kind of turns around and you realize that about five seconds have uh, have passed and she kind of like whips her swords and all the blood flies off and they all collectively just like collapse down onto the ground (laughs) and she goes and just like opens the door and kind of hello there you kind of move through and see the the temple that's kind of sitting on top of the hill. And there is some strange figure in like a dark red robe and he's clutching a dagger and he's like looking down at the destruction in the town. As it, from a distance, you can see Amadi and Micah and Sierra fighting this monster, you know, somewhere in the temp- in the tavern, there's some fighting. This strange kind of cultist figure is kind of like cackling. And you just hear kind of off of the distance, just, oh, I don't see what's so fucking funny, man. Uh, and the guy kind of like, ah, kind of turns and you see Burke kind of like swagger. He's kind of just like leaning on this massive hammer and he uh, pulls a cigarette out of his mouth and tosses it down onto the ground and kind of like stomps it clean. The cultist kind of, kind of pulls out a dagger and the cultist goes, who are you? And Burke goes, uh, I'm 
I'm Burke. Those are nice robes, man. Uh, and the guy just kind of, it's like, don't come any closer. You're not going anywhere. And Burke just kind of like sighs and kind of pulls the hammer up off the ground and kind of swaggers forward. And it's just like, well, you see, that's actually where you're wrong, man. Cause I actually am, I gotta go in there. But you know, if you think differently, you can always just take it up with my friend. And the cultist is like, friend. And you see like from inside the temple, this clawed brass hand reaches out and pulls him inside. And you hear this like stabbing sound. And Valoria kind of steps out, like, kind of just looking, like, annoyed. <laughs> a little bit of smoke comes out of her mouth. Burke and her stand together and look inside and go, uh, Burke goes, I'll, uh, handle the portal and you handle, um, like everything else. And Valoria kind of is like, ah, okay. And they go inside together. And you see now this room inside the temple has been, like, bastardized and turned into this, like, summoning circle for demons. And there are cultists all in this temple kind of chanting. You see this cult leader in, like, dark robes saying, Already your children have come forth, my lord, to do your monstrous bidding, but enemies of darkness have arrived. Help us stamp them out, my liege. Help us spread the darkness. And you hear this sound come from outside, and they all kind of turn in fear. There's, like, a couple of knights that pull their weapons. The leader goes... Let none pass. I will confer with our lord. And continues, like, doing some shit. And they all run out into like, the various, like, hallways and steps. And then, as they kind of are walking around, you realize that this temple, this, like, area must be below the ground. Like, below the earth. Because they start moving through these kind of labyrinthian hallways and stuff. All of the torches suddenly go out. And they're plunged into complete and utter darkness. And then, you just start hearing screams in the darkness. You hear some, like, faint kind of, like, clanging of metal. You see some sparks lit from, like, two swords clanging. And you see very briefly, like, just the rage-filled face of Valoria. And then it's dark again. <laughs> and you just hear people, <laughs> just, like, dying in the, in the hallway. And the sound's kind of getting louder and louder. You hear this, like, the last night kind of, like, Hello? Where's everybody? And he's just kind of alone in the dark, kind of, like, moving his way through. And he goes, I need some light! I need some light! And you suddenly feel and hear this fist kind of grab him around the neck and a dagger like stab into his stomach and then some light starts to fill the room and it's the fire inside of Valoria's mouth (laughs) and she just grabs like the back of his head and opens up his mouth and (laughs) breathes fire like down into his mouth and then you it kind of moves back and you see that cultist leader in the room around the glyph chanting some stuff and going please lord and then you just hear um yeah, I don't think Lord's listening, man. Uh, and he kind of ah, turns around, and you can just see Burke is standing there with the with the hammer. And he just kind of goes like, this is fucked up, right? Like, you recognize that this is fucked up. Like, this is a bad thing. Like, summoning a demon and, like, loosing it on a town. Like, that's kind of shitty, don't we think? Anyway, the cultist kind of scrambles back against the wall. Burke doesn't even pay him attention. You see him kind of pull out some stuff and lay some, like, metallic shavings on the ground and kind of murmur some things and he closes the portal kind of gives like a look up and touches his holy symbol that's slung around his neck and then he turns to the cultist leader and is like now you and he grabs the the hammer off of the ground and the cultist leader is kind of like backing away like no please i'm sorry i I realized i was wrong i was wrong he's kind of like backing away um and it's just like crying and it's just kind of like a mess and burke looks for the first time probably that you've ever seen, you've seen Burke very sad. This is a different kind of Burke. Like his eyes go like almost dead and he just starts walking towards this guy. And the guy is kind of like scrambling back. And it's like, wait, wait, no, I, I recognize you. You're the holy one, you're Burke, the, the, the cleric, the godly man. You wouldn't strike down an, an unarmed opponent. You're a holy man. And Burke kind of walks up and lights a cigarette in his mouth. Awesome. <laughs> I'm not that kind of holy man. Reaches up and 
brings the hammer down on his head. Hot. Um, I mean, and brings it brings it down a couple of more times. You see Valoria kind of come in. Back. They're still fighting in the streets. And Burke goes, right, okay. And they turn around and they, they go out together. And you go back out into the street where that fight with that gigantic monster is still happening with Amadi and, and, and Micah. Uh, you can see Amadi kind of turns as Burke and Valoria run up. And Amadi goes, the portal is closed. And they give their nods. There's a poof. And Tippletoe appears in the air and falls down into the ground, slices down into the eye of the monster. Poof, tucks and rolls, lands on the ground. The tavern is clear. And all seven of them come out of the various places where they were. And uh, you notice that you've only, you've only seen seven. Yeah, yeah. Amadi goes, then let's wrap this up. Eternals, go! And they run forward and they all start kind of fighting. You see um, Micah tosses some rope to Tippletoe who like grabs it and bamps away and a bamps appear like above it, pulling the rope. You see Sierra just grabs one of the monster's y- legs and like yanks it clear. Ovac runs around the legs with, with another rope. They're all kind of running around and they, within like 30 seconds, have either like wrapped a rope around the limbs or just grabbed the limbs of this monster and it <laughs> hits the ground. It's kind of pulled, it's being pulled like spread eagle on the ground. And the monster's kind of like, you fools think you can contain me? It's kind of like being pulled apart. And Micah goes, not for long, no, but then again, we don't need that long. And then you guys all kind of look up and you can see a dot like really, really high up in the sky that's growing larger and larger. And Amadi goes, just enough time for her. And <laughs> you guys watch as this dot grows closer and closer and closer, something falling out of the sky. And you can see what this is, is that it is a elven woman. And she is just falling and falling and falling faster and faster. And eventually you see she has just hit terminal velocity and she is falling as fast as a human possibly could. And the, the monster is like, and then right before she hits, she turns into a brontosaurus and... <laughs> And there's this massive cloud of dust as she hits him with a brontosaurus going at terminal velocity. Hmm. And <laughs> this massive dust cloud gets kind of kicked up. Eventually you see these people kind of like coming out, looking around. And uh, you see the eight. You see the Eternals standing around, kind of like a divot in the ground where this like black mush and smoke is slowly starting to like mm-hmm. dissipate and, and fade away. You see striding out from where she just landed is uh, the elven woman, Adri Telenoff. She is tall and elegant, um, and she's just kind of dressed in like a simple dark green gown. She's barefoot. She's got the dark brown vines around her arms. She walks over to Tippletoe and leans down, and they kiss each other, and then she stands up and kind of clutches her hand. You see um, Ovac just kind of takes Amadi's hand um, softly, and Amadi just kind of throws an arm around Valoria, and Valoria, for the first time in both of the memories you've seen, Valoria kind of cracks this this grin, and Amadi just goes, um, Job well done, Eternals. And the memory fades. Oh, fuck. And you guys are left alone in the Cerithium. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to episode 41 of Adventures in Questing. Oh my god, talk about a lore dump. I was gone that session, so editing that was actually my first time hearing all of that. So that was cool. I, you know, not to geek out about my own D&D game, but I am just so excited about where this story is going. And since we have recorded quite a bit ahead of what we're currently releasing in the podcast, just knowing everything that is to come, oh man. 
it's a lot. It's exciting. Anyway, um, I just wanted to say thank you to our new patrons real quick. Margaret, Brenna, and Adam, you guys are truly the MVPs. Thank you so much for your support. And uh, have a lovely week, everybody. We'll see you next time on Adventures in Questing. Book. We need to write a book. That was so cool. This is Allie, not Winnie, obviously.